You're listening to Woo Sox Insider, presented by your Worcester Red Sox. Welcome back, Woo Sox Nation, to Woo Sox Insider. I am Brendan Black, and today I am joined by Tommy Castle of the Telegram and Gazette. Welcome, Tommy. Thank you very much for joining me. Thank you, sir. Don't feel like an uh, insider like... Uh you know, Rob Bradford or Chad Tracy, but uh, glad to give you maybe outsider viewpoint today. Well, I would say that you have spent much more time than Rob Bradford, maybe not Chad Tracy, but uh, that in this building, and I consider you very much an insider. Um, so, real quick, at the TNG, tell me what you uh, what your role is and what you do there on a daily basis. Yes, yeah, so I'm a sports reporter. Uh, I cover the Woo Sox during the season, so I started actually last May as the Woo Sox beat reporter. So anytime. They're home here at Polar Park. I'll cover the team, whether it's a game, a feature, or any kind of aspect going on with the Woo Sox or Polar Park. And then right now, offseason, if there is no Woo Sox news, I'll cover high school, college, any features on athletes around the area, kind of full throttle or full circle, anything um, related to sports. Uh, I guess I had to throw that term in there for the Red Sox and Woo Sox, uh, full throttle. But, um, yeah, so anything sports-related. I I didn't even pick up on that. (laughs) Just the buzzword that's coming into winter yep, weekend, yep. so going to see if that's uh, brought up at all. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be an interesting experience. I, I personally won't be there. Will you be covering it? No, no. I, I, uh, we went to um, Fenway Park this week to meet some of the prospects for their rookie development, so that was fun. I uh, got to meet some of the top prospects that we'll hopefully see here at Polar Park or Worcester some point this year, um, and uh, even former Woosocks like Tristan Casas and even Alex Cora made an appearance. That was kind of a good experience yesterday at Fenway Park. Yeah, it was really cool. I was there. You were there actually uh, asking questions and interviewing. I was there filming for uh, Tyler Murray and uh, John Canavan was there. We were filming for Jim Kane as well to get some, uh, you know, content for the beginning of the season. So since we're there, let's just go right into that because I think that is a really, uh, I mean, all those news stories, it's kind of cool. This is my first experience really being in, would be as close to like almost like a press junket is what it really was and then seeing the next day the explosion of all the stories of like from everyone that was there all the different um people so let's start with um biggest name there marcella meyer what uh what did you talk to him about and um because i saw you posting some videos and that kind of stuff so you had a chance to speak with him yeah, so he's been ranked as the top pros- uh, prospect for the Red Sox um, by MLB.com, Baseball America, you know, SoxProspects.com. Um, and so everyone wants to know how's he feeling. He hurt his shoulder last year. He played through the pain for a couple months before uh, hanging it up in, in August. So the first initial scrum of all media members was right to Marcelo. I got a little video of him answering the question on the injury. But I like to kind of talk to everyone a little bit more individually if I can. So I went right to actually Roman Anthony, their second top prospect, to get – his perspective on his kind of year in the organization that kind of flew up the ranks a little bit. 19? But then when I t- yeah, 19, 19 years old. 19 years old. Yeah. It's insane. And he doesn't talk like a 19-year-old. He seems pretty poised. Uh, you can see that by his play on the field and even in the clubhouse yesterday at Fenway Park. He, um, he's the real deal, it seems like, but uh, you got temper ex- expectations with a 19-year-old, of course. Um, but getting back to Marcelo, um, he really held the room really well um, throughout the one hour we were there, whether it was the full media or you guys filming with Tyler Murray, um, or myself, just one-on-one. He, he was really poised, and um, it seems like he's ready for a bounce back this year, and I'm excited to probably see him at Polar Park at some point. Yeah, and that was a question that um, Tyler and Jim and you know yourself, I assume, you know, brought up, was the fact that Polar Park is in their future. Um, and it was very cool seeing their responses. That they, you know, the word travels, you know, especially you know, between these players, guys who have either been – 
played with someone down in uh, in Portland uh, that has played here or big leaguer, and they talked to him about it. Uh, like you said, Tristan Casas supposedly just invited himself to come hang out there and get some work in, so that was cool to see him. But, you know, he has a, a lot of time, a lot of at-bats here at uh, Polar Park. So uh, talk about that aspect of it. And, and some of these guys are – SoCal, they're Southern Cal guys who are coming here, Florida, and uh, so they were they were pretty interested in the weather and everything that was going on. Yeah, hundred percent. I actually wrote about that um, a little bit with Marcelo and um, Nick York, who's also from California. Um, they had never seen snowfall before, literally snow falling in the air. So they've seen it on the ground or you know pitches whatnot, but for them to wake up and see snowfall at their hotel window was kind of funny. They were just talking about making their first ever snowball, slipping on the ice uh, on, on the sidewalks of Boston. <laughs> we don't like to hear and, that. Yeah, we don't want to hear any <laughs> of that. We've uh, had that too much with Chris Sale and some <laughs> other uh, freak uh, accents in Boston sports history. Um, but, yeah, it was great talking to them about, you know, the potential opportunity of playing at Polar Park at some point this year. Uh, I think Nick York uh, might make it here sooner rather than later, maybe even start here uh, the year at Worcester um, with AAA. And I always expect Marcelo after he gets kind of settled back in after his injury to maybe make it up here at some point during the season. Um, although we had to teach him. He said uh, an interview oh, with me, he said Wooster uh, for the city of Wooster. Wooster. He was excited to be here. So we'll have to you know, give him some training on, on this uh, side of 495 in Central Mass. But uh, you know, It's funny because I, I didn't remember him saying it in his interview with Tyler. I wonder if he had already learned by then. Uh, or if you went before, but I did see that clip. But I felt he'll, bad. He'll have yeah, time. But he'll yeah, have time. Yeah, 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 do yeah, yeah. You gotta do what you gotta do. Let's uh, let's let's switch over a little bit to your pad. You because you mentioned Sox prospects there. You wrote for them for a little while. Wow, Is you that, did your research. Huh? I did do my wow, research. They're pretty good. I better scrub the internet and see if there's anything <laughs> bad on there. Um, no, yeah, actually, when I was a, a part timer, we call a freelance uh, reporter for the Metro West Daily News in Framingham. Uh, I also, and I might even be full-time at the time in 2016 or 17, but um, I worked for SauceProspects.com, which is one of the best websites for anything you want to learn about the Red Sox uh, organization from minor leagues, the low minor leagues to AAA Worcester now. But um, yeah, it was great. I, I basically did uh, some stuff they call cups, cups of coffee. So you catch up in the morning about what went on with some of the f- uh, farm systems and farm uh, teams uh, the night before. I basically just scour uh, box scores and just put in who had the best game or multiple hits or most strikeouts and kind of make it easily digestible for Sox diehard fans who go there every day. Um, and they have a great following um, and they have some great writers and copy editors that work there and they are really the go-to source uh, for Sox uh, prospect news. My favorite thing about it is the formats never changed of the websites. It's exactly what you need. It is so much information right in front of you. The player like profiles and that stuff. It's 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 incredible. Um, but yeah, so I, I had to bring that up. And then also, you Chowdaheads. Chowdaheads, that is great. <laughs> um, Chowdaheads makes some great T-shirts. And uh, yeah, that was when I was first trying to like just be writing about anything Boston sports. Um, actually, had a, a former brother-in-law his brother owned the company and so in between part-time jobs as a college kid I uh, worked for Chattaheads there you go. Uh, it was funny you know I remember one day when um, Adrian Gonzalez signed uh, or was traded to the Red Sox I think 2011 or whatever it was I was still in college and that was my favorite story I ever wrote for Chattaheads because it's like breaking news but you're really just using everything that ESPN Boston <laughs> was saying or whatnot or what you could see on the, on the TV but 
yeah, that was a that was a throwback. Chowderheads. Chowderheads. Give, give them a look. I think they're still like, in business. So. I feel it. Yeah, I feel like I've seen it around. Um, they make good t-shirts. <laughs> so uh, another interesting aspect of, I guess, journalism as a whole right now, because you have uh, essentially grew up into the the um, industry as it's had an extremely big change in everything. Um, you graduated 2011, right, from UConn. I'm um, 2011. UNH, so we're same age, same grade, all that. Um, and from when you got out of school, I mean, at that time you were still writing blogs and that kind of stuff online, but blogs hadn't taken on what they are now. It still was like the baby brother to, you know, the actual news outlets and that kind of stuff, at least when it came to like the legitimacy of news. And now everything is just so quick and out there. So we're looking down right here. You have a, a, a story on the, the front page of the sports section here. Um, but you were telling me, and I found this really interesting, that's cool for you, getting the feature story. But your goal is to get the number one story on the website. Explain that that uh, dynamic now. Yeah, it's amazing how times change, and, and go Huskies, and we mentioned uh, UNH, uh, <laughs> UConn. But uh, yeah, for, for the newspaper industry, it's changed so much, even since I started in the past 20 years, 10 years, five years, and since COVID too, deadlines have changed for a lot of newspapers. Getting truck drivers to actually drop off papers has become an issue for a lot of companies. But yeah, when you sp speak about stories and features and the paper or online, it's really uh, evolved from having that center pace above the fold story in, in print to having that number one story on the website that has the full picture, the full headline, and the first thing that everyone's going to click because it's right there in front of you. And, you know, we'll, we'll jockey for positions, me and a couple of my fellow sports staff members at the TNG, to get that number one story on the website and it takes a lot of you know pitching to our editor you know uh, developing photo ideas and and just making a story work all all parts of it together so as much as it's fun to see the centerpiece story on uh in the print edition i'd much rather see it front and center on the, the e-edition or, or online so. so just because it's here on the front doesn't mean it's going to be the first story online because online is more current? Yeah, yeah, not necessarily. It depends, I think, just what you have. And we have a good amount of content coming each day from our sports team at TNG, so make sure you subscribe or, or follow us. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's evolving, and you don't want a story to get too stagnant online. So you might see a story in this, on the main website, on the main page, um, in the main spot for a couple hours, and something else comes in and changes. I mean, we're all fickle. We're all scrolling our phones and trying to see the next best thing. So, um, And we had to adapt with that with the newspaper industry and journalism in general. So always have a new fresh content and uh, kind of writing for what people want to want to read. We were talking about a, a game day for you um, and how you're in the press box, but before the game, you're down on the field. Um, just work me through. We've got a 645 game here at the park. What time are you getting here? And then when does your story start to develop that you are writing? Are you just basing it off of the talking that you're doing with the players are you basing it off the you know storyline of the game which is i think is a little harder when it comes to minor league baseball unless you have a big prospect playing in the game their you know wins and losses aren't as <laughs> big so like yeah what, what what's your uh, daily routine i guess as you come to the park yeah so i live about 40 minutes away from uh, polar here so i try to get here beating like after school traffic and i want to get here early so i get here around two o'clock for a six forty-five game um, that way you can kind of see when you put your stuff down in the press box, you can kind of see what's going on at the ballpark, whether that's, you know, someone's trying out to play the accordion or the um, organ, not the accordion. <laughs> the, <laughs> the, organ. the accordion's been played yeah, here I'm as sure well. there has been a lot of uh, musical talents here. Yeah. But, um, or if a player's out in the field doing, uh, you know, 
different exercises or, or training or even running in the stands. Like I try to get a field the ballpark each day. But when it comes to planning a story or what I'm going to write that day, I, I hopefully have an idea for a couple stories for a homestand because we usually have six games here during a week and then they're on the road for a week. So I'm hoping to have a couple of ideas just to, uh, you know, take a stab at and then we see what develops throughout the week. Um, How many Blue Sox stories are you doing a week? If there's six games or I cover five games or, you know, I'm supposed to wait for five days a week, but sometimes if they're here, I like to cover the whole homestand because you, you don't want to miss anything with this yeah. team and you're the reporter. Um, but, um, yeah, five, six, seven, um, hopefully one a day and then stuff happens. Like, that's the beauty of sports. Like, stuff's going to happen out of the blue that you don't expect for or account for. Um, and that's that's what I like telling stories, that breaking news or, you know, whether it was a prospect or a, a rehabber here in, in, um, in Worcester and then, you know, stuff with the team too, you know, whether it's managers, players, staff members, guys like you with the you know, social media team and, and working for the club. Um, it's kind of all-encompassing. Like, as much as information is being thrown out, I, I want to share with the public what's kind of the vibe here at the park. Yeah. I mean, because there, there always is a story. It's, it's, you know, you just got to find it. But I mean, you know, whether the play on the field, like we've had some incredible play in the field, but the storylines behind it and the, and the prospects and that kind of stuff and seeing these guys develop and seeing some, you know, take off and go into the big leagues like Sadon last year and that kind of stuff, just to be able to see those. And so you're saying you don't want to miss a game. He was here for what felt like two homestands and then we lost him because he was, he got called up so fast. Um, and, uh, it seems to be that we're going to have a, a good chunk of time with that core three of Meyer, um, Teal, and Anthony, or four, core four in York, um, which I think will be that, – that's going to be a lot of fun. Hopefully we'll get to see at least three of those guys playing up here at some point. Let's go a little bit uh, more – or a little deeper into your uh, background in, in journalism because in, you were talking about how um, – you know, you've had the opportunity to cover a lot of different things. So you were at the U.S. Open. Uh, what year is it? That was two years ago. So that was 2020. And this is at the Country Club? At the Country Club in Brooklyn, yeah. And so your story, because we had, uh, there was a, a bunch of guys from the area playing in the tournament. So that had to have been one of your, uh, you know, top moments, I'd imagine, in your journalistic, in your journalism, like, career. Yeah, I am such a golf nerd, um, and I grew up on a golf course, uh, humble brag, uh, rich, spoiled kid growing up, uh, and I was so lucky to be on a golf course, and, and it's my favorite sport other than maybe baseball. But uh, yeah, so I got to cover the U.S. Open at the Country Club in Brookline um, when Matt Fitzpatrick won on the last day, great last uh, hole with him and Will Zalatoris. And so I wrote some stories for Golf Week, kind of focusing on the local angles. So we had a, actually a guy from Worcester. He was only here for like a year. Now he's really a Tennessean, but his name is Scott Scallings. Yep, um, we claim him. He's a beast. Um, and so I followed him around for practice round. He has a you know, Red Sox head cover or a, a, a logo on his uh, yardage book. So I got some photos of that. Keegan Bradley, who everyone loves from here, uh, he's from Hopkinton. He really is a mask guy, and he was wearing like Jordan sneakers that had um, Celtics logos on it because they were playing in the playoffs, I think, at that point, uh, or just finished up playing in the playoffs. And then uh, even this 19-year-old from uh, Wellesley named Michael Thorbrunson, he was great. Um, he was following in the footsteps of this former amateur that uh, won the U.S. Open, Francis Wiemet, um, about 70, 80 years ago. I can't remember exactly when. Um, and it was very – all the parallels between those two stories were great. Um, so it was a lot of fun. A lot of walking. Yeah. I spent six <laughs> days walking in the country club um, just – 
So you're there for the practice rounds Eight as hours. well? Yeah, yeah. The practice rounds is where you get the best. That's where you get your stuff. Yeah, yeah I mean, you can get uh, inside the ropes. You, they, they're a little bit more lackadaisical. Sorry, I can't say that word. Um, with just talking to you. They're, they're, they're interacting with each other. Their caddies, their friends, their family are all there. And once it comes Thursdays to Sunday, a little bit more um, tightened up as opposed to giving you access. But, yeah, that was a lot of fun as a, as a golf nerd myself and someone that plays golf about twice a week in the summer. That was just a lot of fun. That, that's amazing, and I can only imagine what it's like walking a course like that and seeing how, how amazing it is. It is uh, Golf is an off, awesome sport, and I know that it is far and away the I – I think it might have been either Chad Tracy or – no, I think it might have been Mario, our, 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 bullpen, our bullpen, our clubhouse manager. Love Mario. Um, he's the best. He's saying that the if it's not baseball, the next thing that the guys are talking about in there is golf. Everyone wants to get out. You see their golf clubs. Every time I walk in the clubhouse from a road trip or even from like maybe an off day, it's like Monday to Tuesday – they, there's golf clubs. There's more golf clubs in the hallway there than there are baseball bats. Now the bats are in the batting cage, so we'll give them a break. But yeah, I'm actually looking forward to hopefully play with uh, Trace, um, Flo, and uh, maybe some other guys this uh, this summer. Maybe someone can get us out to Worcester Country Club so we can uh, see uh, who's got the best uh, slice in, in the in the bunch. This has been yeah. This has been a, a topic that was brought up actually. Uh, Nico Cavadas brought it up to me last year how he's been really wanted to play uh, uh, Worcester Country Club and. I forget who it was. One of the other coaches said it as well. Um, have you had the chance to play Worcester? No, I'm putting the shout out now, hoping. I know we have some uh, some resources inside these walls here at Polar Park, and even in the Worcester area that uh, you might listen to this. Or, if you're or listening. Yeah, yeah. This please. is a very uh, not Getty, subtle. Rich Gedman wants to play Worcester Country Club. I'm sure he has, but, you know, he's uh, he's hoping to get out there too. So maybe we get a nice foursome with some uh, Woosocks folks. Yeah, and then we also will we'll be doing – it's now the Rich Gedman Golf Tournament. Uh, that will be happening at the Haven. It's not, uh, which is a Haven's beautiful, a place. <laughs> beautiful yeah, yeah. course as well. Um, that's that's usually some point in April, I believe. I just missed it when I started last year. I was so uh, ticked off because <laughs> I really want, like I saw all these photos from the great social media team and photographers for the Woo Sox, and I was like, you know what, why couldn't I start this job a month before so I would have been able to go to the Haven and, and play some golf and seeing what everyone was kind of like on the course. Because you can tell a lot by someone with their golf game or how they <laughs> interact in the golf course. And like someone like Nico, I wonder how far he hits the ball. I mean, he's he's a beast. So, w- craziest thing about him, um, and I f- I think I've said this on this before. I believe he's a, a lefty hitter, and he was a lefty golfer as well. And he thought his golf swing was messing with his baseball swing, so he flipped it around. He got righty clubs and just started playing righty. And within a year, had his like handicap down to like I don't know like something like reasonable like a 12 or something like that from the other side within a year wow that's yeah. that's so impressive professional athletes yeah 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 and, you know. <laughs> not, not you or i no no i i have not come close to mastering the game from my dominant side um i'd like to say that i the reason why i'm not a you know major league baseball player is because of my golf game it kind of they both ruined each other when high school and yeah early i heard college you. um you know i developed I, a little bit of a a slice in the golf game, and then I couldn't pull the ball anymore in the baseball. So that's yeah, why I read that in the research about that's why yeah, I'm reporting yeah. <laughs> and not playing. So it is what it is. Um, so let's go. Uh, I, I want to get back to what we were, uh, what we uh, went to yesterday with the the rookie development, um, and then I also want to talk about uh, you know, the experience of covering uh, Craig Breslow's first, um, essentially first public appearance at, uh, as a 
president of baseball operations, which happened here at the, the uh, gala, gala back in uh, December. But let's first go to, we talked about Meyer, a uh, little bit of uh, Roman Anthony. Who else did you have the chance to speak with? Uh, Kyle Teal was one. So you, sp- you uh, speak of Breslow and, and his comments this past week to the Boston Globe, um, talking about the big three. He mentioned uh, Meyer, uh, Anthony, and Teal. So I want to talk to Kyle Teal. He's kind of relatively new a prospect. He was drafted last year at a University of Arizona. Really rose to the ranks of the organization as a catcher. Um, can hit, can catch, and can throw people out. Uh, but he's young. He's 21 years old too. So I kind of want to temper people's expectations for some of these guys to be playing, you know, at, in Boston, you know, this year, next year, because we're talking about 19-year-old Roman Anthony, 21-year-old our Marcel Meyer, who might seem like he's older than 21, but he's 21, and then Teal's 21. Um, and so, yet yeah, uh, being able to talk to them inside the Red Sox clubhouse and their first maybe for Teal, his first experience with the media, you know, he seemed a little timid, a little, um, you know, a little maybe nervous, not the right word, but um, definitely a really nice kid, and he's got all the tools to become a major league catcher someday. But, um, yeah, it was nice seeing him, and even catching up with Tristan Cassis, the former Worcester, great. Um, I wanted to learn about his relationship with Vaughn Grissom, who is the new, slated to be, the new Red Sox second baseman if everything goes according to plan. And they've been ripping each other and having fun with each other on social media, whether it's Instagram. They were playing knockout at um, Trevor Story's baseball camp in in Texas. Um, And then um, yesterday I kind of wanted to see how they play off each other because Tristan decided to leave Miami where it's nice out to come up to Boston uh, during his birthday week, mind you, (laughs) just turned 24, to be part of the uh, development camp and and get to know some of these guys, especially Grissom, who's going to be hopefully his – kind of battery made, if you will, at second base um, for the Red Sox next year. Tristan Casas had 12 different players play next to him at second base last year. It was what he said was a revolving door. So it was interesting to catch up with him, and he's hoping they can solidify the right side of the infield moving forward, just those two, and he thinks it's really important to build a relationship now as opposed to waiting for spring training or the regular season. Yeah, that's a really interesting point that he brings up in, in more of these um, these aspects of the game that people really don't think about. They think, okay, you're a good fielder, you're a professional baseball player, we'll throw you out there with anyone, doesn't matter. A first baseman wants to know what his second baseman's going to throw the ball like. Like, you knew Dustin Pedroia, his, the arm angle, the, the loopy kind of, not loopy, it was like he would always throw it hard, but he'd throw it from like a side angle kind of thing. But you know where that ball's going to go. 12 different second basemen throw in however many different shortstop and third baseman the ball comes at you differently out of everyone's hands so that's a very interesting thing that uh you know casas brings up and shows you the dedication that you know hopefully they're able to that you know build that relationship during this time um did you have a chance to talk with uh, grissom yeah talked to grissom he um he called Casas a combative um, kind of ego. Like he likes that he's playful, and they'll kind of egg each other on. Um, he, he mentioned that he's definitely a, a Miami kid, and they have they have a lot of fun jabbing each other a little bit. Grissom's very um, well spoken, and he's a little bit older than some of the kids we or the prospects we talked to yesterday, um, but very poised. Like the word I keep using for all these guys, I was impressed with their with kind of how they all handled themselves in front of the media in the Red Sox clubhouse with. Alex Cora is in the room, Tristan Costas in the room. So Grissom was great. Um, he said he's looking forward to kind of getting to know everybody. He's just going to be himself, and whatever happens, happens. Um, and we'll see if he and Costas are second base and first base, uh, you know, starting players for the Red Sox coming this season. Now let's go over to um, you know, the elephant in the room, 
is the off season and the lack of movements and, and those type of things. And we got to see Breslow uh, again at, at the Blue Sox Foundation um, honors here at the park. We got to see him and Joe Castiglione talk up on stage um, for, you know, about 15 minutes or so in, in uh, Craig's first uh, public appearance. And in that, you know, he gave some pretty candid answers and that kind of stuff. Looking back on that retrospectively, what he was saying, I, I don't think anything was too far off from, you know, what he was saying there. But it, he was talking about, you know, we are the Red Sox. We have the resources, those type of things. So when you were covering that versus where you're seeing this now, where, where, where do you put uh, or how do you, I guess, are you grading Pre Breslow at this point? Yeah, I think it's, you know, it was nice meeting Craig. Um, his family was here. It was his first appearance. A couple of us got to talk to him in one of these suites here at Polar Park. And he was pretty candid. Obviously, can't tell you, you know, grandma's recipes and what exactly they're, they're thinking of. But I think it was no secret he mentioned they wanted to get starting pitching, uh, controlled, uh, starting pitching with, you know, contract and term for years, not just a rental. Because um, I think this is a little bit of a, a, a rebuild process, if you will, for the organization when it comes to the big league club. No one wants to hear the rebuild term, especially when one of your owners is throwing the word around like full throttle. And last year they were in last place in the AL East. But, um, you know, if someone asked him about Otani, I don't think that was really uh, realistic. But, he, you know, he mentioned that Otani is a once-in-generation player or once-in-a-lifetime player. Uh, but Craig was pretty, um, you know, candid with, you know, the needs, and I don't think it's any secret that the Sox need a little bit more depth with their starting pitching or pitching overall, whether that's at the major league level or across the whole organization. And then um, I think he's ready to, and what he mentioned to the Globe this past week is for some of these top-tier prospects, uh, three of them like Teal, Anthony, and, and Meyer, that are in the 100 top 100 prospects in the whole game in MLB, um, they need to you know show growth and, and be up here at Polar at this point this year, at some point this year, or possibly even the Red Sox at some point in 2024. So it's hard for, I feel it's hard for Breslow to come in on the heels of ownership saying they go full throttle. Obviously they, they still have about a month to make some more signings, but with just, um, you know, minor upgrades in the outfield, uh, possibly second base and in the rotation with Lucas Giolito, we'll see where it goes. Um, personally, I think the, the team roster right now currently constructed seems a little bit more stable um, than last year's team. So there's, reason for optimism there, but I definitely think there are a couple of arms away and maybe some pieces away from really contending for an AL East title. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's tough to know what's going on behind the scenes and, you know, expect to have all the answers and that kind of stuff when it comes to the player personnel and, and then, you know, how slow sometimes the baseball offseason can move. Uh, and it was expected when Yamamoto signs, it was like everything is going to happen and it's still just been drip, drip, drip and so you know it, it's uh but i mean that's that's the off season that's how it works um so let's um wrap up here looking towards the the 2024 season here at polar park um let's i obviously some of the storylines are going to be based around these big prospects coming here but we're not sure they're all going to be here right to start opening day what's the storyline We'll, we'll still read it in the paper as well at that time. But what, what's your storyline going into the 2024 season? I think fourth, season in the, fourth season in Worcester. Yeah, I think, it, I mean, you talk about fourth season. I think optimism and, like, excitement around this ballpark and this team is the same. And I wasn't here, granted, when it first when the Woo Sox first came to Worcester. But I, I just – everyone's so excited for, like, what's going to happen and, and 
who they're going to see and what possibly unfolds in the field. Now, mind you, we talked a little bit earlier that the wins and losses for the Woo Sox don't matter as much as maybe for the Red Sox. Uh, it's about development here first, and then kind of the, the records and, and the results second. Um, but this team was good last year. They are competing for, you know, to go play in Vegas and North Carolina until the end, until the Red Sox unfortunately scooped up all their top uh, players. Um, but uh, I'm looking forward to, well, is Big Poppy going to be here for the opening day? Because uh, I think he was here <laughs> last year. I would like to see him. But um, no, in all you know, seriousness for this ballpark and this team, um, it's the new faces. Like who's who's here? Maybe some returning faces. Um, you know, no more Ryan Fitzgerald. So who maybe takes over as the mayor of Worcester or the the spokesperson for the Woo Sox? I think that's an important piece to any team having a leader. Um, and I think there's some internal candidates from last year's team and maybe some new guys that can fit that kind of role for the for the ball club. And as always, you know, I mentioned the Oregon early, er, earlier. Who's going to play the Oregon here? What's new at the ballpark, the, the club? Um, what fresh new faces do we have? Um, and then you have people coming back like Chad Tracy, who's, uh, you know, really good with the media, really good with the ball clubs. He's the top-ranked uh, minor league manager um, last year. So, um, you know, excited to see what the future holds for him as well and how he develops this next crop of, of Woo Sox players. It's a perfect way to wrap up, and, and you know if you want to be here for opening day, I can't say who will be here, who will not be here. It'll be special like it always is. Uh, tickets are on sale now, woosocks.com, and 508-500-8888. That's the ticket office. Um, Tommy, this was awesome. Thank you for joining me. Um, I'm sure we'll be running into each other every single day at the park coming up pretty soon here and uh, in the meantime as well. But thank you for joining me, and uh, – Real quickly, uh, where can we find you on social media? Where can we find you online? Yep, Twitter, Tommy Castle 44 It's Castle spelled like the Sam Cassell, the basketball player. Uh, and obviously on Worcester Telegram and Gazette.com. Um, follow us on TNG. And uh, thanks for having me in. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. All right, Woo Sox Insider, we will be back. Um, hopefully we're going to be going back to an every other week um, release up until the season we have a couple of pretty cool people who are going to be coming on the show so keep an eye out for that uh and also the woo Sox hot stove is going to be coming out where you're actually going to see some of those interviews uh that we did uh at the rookie development camp as well as uh some of the new stuff that we're going to be uh unveiling here at polar park so once again thank you thank you tommy and thank you woo Sox nation